Activism isn't about being loud, it's about making a meaningful change. I'm a catalyst for change. Catalyst for change. I saw what was happening to our planet and the injustice of climate change. I was like, wow, I'm an activist at heart. Combining art and activism to inspire change. I had to find my place in activism as a young black woman. I realized you're never too small to take action. Youth have ideas for what a climate resilient future looks like. Protecting the environment isn't a wise people's thing. It's something for everyone. I wanted to learn about how inequality, poverty and gender intersect. Intersectional feminism is important to discuss. Now people are joining me and we're making change. I had to learn to trust my abilities and understand that my voice mattered. I proved to myself what I could do. Change needs to start with you and me. Youth are leading. Sanbonani Dumelang Absheni and welcome to Youth Tell All. The homegrown South African podcast sharing stories of young people taking action to create a more sustainable, inclusive and equitable future for all. We're your host, Bunolo Mwikangani. And I'm with my co-host, with the most, Zahir Suleiman. And today we have such an exciting episode for you today, an inspiring story. We're joined by the lovely Meliwe Shivambu. Meliwe is 23 years old, born and raised in Suero, and we're so happy to have her in studio today. Welcome. Hi. Okay. Hi, welcome, guys. Welcome. <laughs> so nervous. I don't know what I should say. Hi. Hello. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't be nervous. Don't be nervous. We got you. Now, Kelly, I understand that today you have a story for us that's about belonging and finding your place in society, which is such an important topic for us, particularly as young people. So dive into it. Wait, Tell wait, us all wait, about wait. it. Wait, Bonolo. You know, we, we got we to gotta get serious first. <laughs> <laughs> let's, no, no, no. Let's, let's, let's get serious. Mm-hmm. I have a serious question for you. If you could have supper with anybody, dead or alive, who would you have supper with? My father. Um, mm-hmm. He passed on um, before I could speak or walk. Sure. I have like a lot of questions for him, so I think... Yeah, just one dinner. That's beautiful. Yeah, no, that was that was heavy. That was a good question. <laughs> sure. That's beautiful, sure, though. Sure. That's beautiful. Incredible, but incredible. <laughs> that yeah, that's beautiful. But I think I think we're ready. If you if you can take us away with your story, blow 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 our minds. Okay, um, my story. Um, I thought I'll probably be like eighty five years old before I I tell my story. <laughs> <laughs> you know, eighty five in a porch somewhere. Um, sure. You know, retelling the story to my. Um, grandchildren, hopefully I would have had you know greater lessons and whatever, but I hope maybe my twenty two years of life could do <laughs> justice to the story sure so my name is Gilimosa. And, and and that's if you ask my mother, you know my mother will say her name is Gilimosa, but on my birth certificate it's Gilliwe. and my mother has the most amazing story on this um and why she named me Gilimosa and when she got to home affairs, she decided on Gilliwe, you know. But my mother trusted the process. So um, she was five years into her marriage. Um, she didn't have babies yet to seal the deal. Sure. Um, and she had been praying for a child. You know, mm. She had been praying. She'd been trusting God. She's been trusted God's grace upon her marriage that God will mm. bless their marriage mm. with kids. Um, so you can imagine, five years in, the in-laws are starting to ask questions. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and she keeps on praying. She keeps on praying. She keeps on praying. Sure. So when she found out that she was pregnant, she then named me Kilimosa, asking for grace. Um, and then obviously, you know, I, she gave birth and then she decided, she looked at my pretty face and she was like, 
oh, Kaliwe. And sure. it basically sure. means um, the one we've been asking for. Yeah. Um, and she, tell, she, she would tell me the story a lot growing up when I would test her, you know, as a child. <laughs> like, you know, you, you are testing me now, but this, you know, I prayed for you. Sure. And now as, as, as growing up and I'm facing all these, you know, challenges with work and school and whatever, she would tell me the story as an encouragement. Sure. So she would say to me, trust the process. This is how you came to being. I prayed mm. for you. You mm. are my answered prayer. That's amazing. So that's just the story about just firstly my name. And every day I'm reminded about the power of my name mm-hmm. um, and that I'm an answered prayer. Mm. That's um, beautiful. So yeah, my mom trusted that process. And as I said before, she would tell me the story all the time. I'm feeling down. Mm. And what I take away from that story is to trust the process. Mm. So, yeah, in just my 22 years of living, that's been my mantra. And just believing God's grace is sufficient every day. Sure. Um, it has been for my mother and, you know, it has been for me. So, on a lighter note, <laughs> I basically grew up in the 2000s mm-hmm. um, in South Africa, Soweto, sure. where the sun also sets. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you guys have picked up that joke <laughs> on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. There's a big joke up around that. And it was just a few years, you know, after the dawn of democracy. Um, I was just a kid. I had no mm. idea um, the pain that had just been felt. I had mm. no idea the brokenness of families, of communities that had sure. just transpired right before I was born. So I was born into that and I was just existing, you know, not having an idea of the legacies and the history of my street mm. or my community or my hometown. And... I so my, my dad passed on um, as I mentioned earlier, and we basically lost everything. So um, my mom lost our house. Um, yeah. My dad was the only income. My mom was a housewife at the time, and we had to move into where my mom grew up. So my mother's home in Soweto, Mufula mm. South, um, and that was hard on its own because. I'm moving from this nuclear family. I had a mom and dad. I mean, I can't remember my dad, but that that's what, you know, the pictures tell that. Just my mom and dad and my little sister was just a newborn then. Um, and we move um, to, 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 to my mother's home where she grew up, where she ran away from home to mm. marry my dad. So she didn't want to be there. So she never felt at home. And as a result, we also never felt at home. Mm. Um, and so those sense of belongings and trying to find your identity started right there. We, um, this place didn't feel like home. You know, my mother's cousins would make, you know, they would make it known that this is not your home. Mm. Um, and my dad is from Limbombo. So, you know, you know, the people are tribalists, you know, and so it's just like, <laughs> yeah, you go back to Limbombo, you know, um, go back to your people. Um, so as a young child, just dealing with all of that, I was taken, it was a lot. And I was moved out of my school. I was in grade one at that time. So it was in the middle of the year when um, um, our house got taken away by the bank. Um, So it's the middle of the year. I'm starting a new school. Everyone is already friends. The cliques already formed. I know it's grade one, but I promise you there were already cliques. Uh, People already knew each other. They started school in grade R. So Mm. one, I'm in a home where I'm not, I'm made to feel like I don't belong to I'm starting a school in the middle of the year. Mm. I remember my mom had to beg the principal to take us in 
um, and the school is just down the street. My mom went to that school. Um, so fine, they take us in. It's in grade one. Um, I don't know anyone. Um, I spoke differently at that time. Mm. Um, it's very traumatic. Yeah, it was really traumatic just mm. getting into that space. Sure. And you would think it will end, you know. You, you, you will think, uh, I won't experience this. I'm going to grade mm. two, grade seven. But I think mm. it just continued and I think I allowed it. Uh. Um, you know, because sometimes in telling your story, you need to look at the part you played. Yeah. yeah. So I think um, I allowed it. I'm the one that when people say, hey, come, let's play. I'll feel like, ooh, probably not worthy. Or, ooh, yeah, it's not my crowd. Or, ooh, that's not my sin. Sure. You know, my scene. Um, and that was just the better half of my primary school years and also high school. Um, but I think, I don't know. Um, I can't say things got better. I think I'm I'm still that person. Um, even as an adult, um, a young adult, I still sometimes find myself withdrawing when I don't feel like I belong or when I'm not feel welcome when I don't feel welcomed. I always just retreat. And I promise you that has taken away so many opportunities away from me. It has sure. made me not speak to certain people in certain rooms because I'll just look at people again this is just me this is not mm-hmm. people projecting this is not people saying anything but i'll just look at people and be like yeah no um i don't i don't belong here um and that was even actually the story um when i got to high school so in high school um i decided to well, firstly, I figured out I, I figured out I can speak. <laughs> uh, I spoke a lot, um, sure. and that's because I read a lot. Mm-hmm. And in speaking a lot, my teachers discovered, you know, and saw all of this potential, and they were like, mm-hmm. "Yo, you can speak!" And signed me up for debate, public speaking, all of that, mm-hmm. and I flourished. You know, that was one place where I flourished. But again, kids in high school weren't interested in debates yeah. or public speaking, all of that. So again, I was just on my own. It was you like know? this little corner. Exactly, in it was just that little corner with like three or four of our friends. <laughs> there was no team. There was nothing. There was just the three of us. Um, but it got like that, um, and I felt okay. This is something I can do. You know that moment when you discover you can do something, mm. and sure. you're like, "Oh yeah, yes, this oh, is it. This is like it. This yeah, is I could. I think I could do this. I mm. think I can do this." Um, and I, I stuck to it. You know, I stuck to mm. what I'm good at. I was like, ah, "I can speak." So we I think, see you. We you know, see. yeah, I think I could just do this. Um, and then I, a friend of mine. Um, she was like to me, hey, there's this library at the Belichen Community Center. You would love it. I went there. It's not my scene, but I know you would love it. And I was like, oh, there's a library? Because remember, um, I don't know what's wrong with the city of Joburg libraries, but they didn't allow <laughs> kids at a certain age to be in libraries. I promise you. So you would sit in, in that other side of the library was just kids' books and you wouldn't be allowed. Um, there was just so much drama. And uh, oh, our library, the city of Joburg Library is very far from my house. So, mm. yeah, I think that was a story. Yeah. Um, and then um, she invited me to this youth club session. I got in there. It's a American space library. Sure. Um, yeah, by, by, by the U.S. Embassy mm. and yes. stuff. So, ugh, all these books. Amazing. It looks amazing. I feel at home. Like I get it and I'm just like, books. Oh, my God. I'm seeing so many books. Um, and I think 
that's the space where um you know it allowed me to define my interest mm. then and, and, and shape my ideas um so this library uh became a place I called home and it became my initiation to leadership and it orientated me to the kind of leader I would want to become mm-hmm. at the library I met great people that impacted my life and contributed to my story mm-hmm. greatly um I met my first mentor Maputsi Mashaba shout out um <laughs> who worked at the US embassy and now works for the UN woman um and 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 she would visit the library from time to time and her visits i promise you they imparted something in me all the time sure it'll just be for a minute or a second and i'll come out and i'll be like i want to be a better person mm-hmm. um and our relationship lasted throughout high school you know she became my mm-hmm. walking angel just guiding me through life and everything else i needed that so much um and even into university when i started um going to vets and she paid for my vets application well all my university <gasps> applications there were thousands of them yeah, and sure. you know this one day um i came from vets and went to the library in soweto because i knew she was there um you know as, as i mentioned my story so i'm first generation everything at home so mm-hmm. first generation graduates sure um you know, I was the first one to get my matric, first one to get a professional job. There's so many Massive. other firsts, yeah. you know, That's that I, that I'm about to, you know, take yeah. on. Yeah. But I think maybe that could, you know, that, that also defines a larger part of who I am mm. with all the obstacles and the challenges I've had to, you know, face. Um, and so um, in, in telling this, right, so like I said, Got to it and I wasn't number one anymore. Like mm. I wasn't number one on the top ten. I was not top ten. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I wasn't raising up my hand in class, you know, like I did in high school. Like in high school, I was that annoying child. <laughs> you know? um, and I didn't join any societies or any clubs at first because I felt like, firstly, I don't think I'm going to make it into a year because I didn't feel like I deserved to be at Vids or deserved sure. to be yeah. You know, um, so I remember just crying all the way f- from um, Vids to Soweto. I was in a Riavaya bus, you know, like those movies when you put your head in in, in, in the window and I'm just crying. <laughs> and, and, and I yeah. got to my putty and I told my putty that one, Vids is just too big for me. Sure. I can't even find myself. The classes are difficult. Mm-hmm. The lectures are white and they have funny accents. Um, <laughs> all the kids here are dressed too nicely, like they're Sunday based guys, mm-hmm. Monday to Friday. Um, they have the latest iPhones, laptops. I've never seen so many MacBooks in a lecture hall before. And carry very nice water bottles that I later discovered. They get them a typo for a very ridiculous amount. And all my pussy heard me say was that I needed friends and um, that I needed a community and that I wanted to be something and someone. Sure. And she set me up for good, hey? So in in high school, my putty signed me up through the Rosa Parks for Model United Nations with Youth at Sire. Mm. And I joined in with no clue on what this was, but my putty said I would love it. And again, I trusted her and I trusted the process, of course. And, you know, the funny story here is that Maputi had forgot to mention um, that, 
we will be participating at the MUN on Saturday. And and that is not a training like we thought it was. <laughs> um, <laughs> like we thought That's it was a just board. a training. So, we yeah, we went in unprepared and 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 yo, the kids there, they were all from good schools. They had all these blazers, these scrolls, and they looked so smart and put together. Um, while I remember very well, I was very cold and I was wearing my Putti's black jersey because I came unprepared. I thought, you know, it's just workshop. Um, and on that day, you know, um, we we won best delegation, oh, just the three of us, fantastic. the first time. Um, and then I moved in for the SJ man that happens mm-hmm. at Wits annually. I won best speaker. Oh, sure. And man, I think I loved playing pretend. You know, <laughs> I love playing like a diplomat. I love that there were so many young people that loved it as well. Mm. And for the first time, I just I fit it in, man. Like, a you know, it was a community. Um, you know, we would all talk big shop as if we understood what was going on. <laughs> um, you know, and I think I had found my community. And you know, but um, again, after my conversation with Pussy, I knew that your because she asked me what place made you feel safe and you felt like you you liked this. I was like, it was MUN, but I mean I can't compete anymore. I'm not in high school, so. So like no, go speak to Des. So my pussy and Des were friends or colleagues or acquaintances. I'm not sure. So I searched for the SAI officers the next Monday and reached out to Sis Des, who's the head of youth programs at SAI. And I knew her from high school, like I said. And I practiced my speech in my head, guys. I was like, <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna go to Des and I'm gonna say hi, Des. I'm Kaliwe. Uh, we met in Rosa Parks in Soweto. Um, I just wanna, you know, volunteer myself as the, if there's anything I, I could do, you know. Like I had a plan. I was gonna, you know, volunteer my services. I was gonna intern there and then work for Durko. <laughs> <laughs> you had a whole plan. Yeah, it's been such a ride, okay, so far from that. And I, I, I walked in, you guys know that Sire Big Door, it's just a struggle to open it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like so I couldn't heavy. figure it out how to open it. And I bumped into Dave's guys, I think she was going to the kitchen. And she looked at me and she knew my name. Like she wow. remembered me. Um, and she said my name. She was like, hi, Kaliwe. Firstly, she said my name correctly, guys. Like, Sis Days has been saying my name correctly since. Um, and, 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 and she recognized me. And, of course, you know, speech went out because I was like, oh, no need to introduce myself. She, she knows who I am. Um, and, you know, from there on, I became a student volunteer at Youth at Science. Sometimes that included lifting chairs from the second floor to, <laughs> to, 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 to the main hall where we host sessions and printing topic packs. I had a lot of paper cuts, you know, occupational hazards. Um, <laughs> but I felt in place. And, yeah. and the reason I felt in place is because at Youth at Science, I had a clue what I was doing. While in my first year, I had no idea what I was doing. Mm. You know, um, I knew the work they were doing. Um, I got involved in the work. The people they knew me, you know, mm. and said my name correctly, <laughs> and 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 that calmed me from the storm that Vitz was. You know, so many times that I've lost count. Um, you know, I laughed my my heart out with the amazing stuff and the volunteers, like you guys, and um, and I loved what I was doing, and it was impacting, it was leading, and it was learning from my peers. Like I mm. felt like I was finally in, you know. Um, 
And, you know, my time there, again, was also met with challenges that sometimes were presented as opportunities. Um, you know, they would reveal so much of my work ethic, um, my willingness to learn, um, my love for activism. Mm. You know, I was prepared to do more and avail myself more because mm. of how every task will make me feel empowered um, and supported. And... As an advocate for youth participation in policy spaces, um, I contributed to numerous policy processes, you know, whether they were local, national, um, you know, even at the global level. Mm. And I, um, through SIA, have been, you know, part of the national drafting committees, um, providing statement for the national youth policy, um, the national determined contributions, and worked on the, you know, the just transition for the Presidential Climate Commission. That's just mm. to name a few. Um, and I think this big opportunity for me uh, um, that I could really easily highlight was in 2020, peak COVID, okay, like peak COVID, everything was online. And with a group of young people from across Joburg, um, and I was one of the lead um, authors for a section on um, the Johannesburg Climate Action Plan mm. um, for the city of Joburg. We had written this section um, in the Joburg Action Plan to include the city young people envisioned for Joburg. Mm. Um, what what that would look like and that was the project we did and that project obviously led to the the south african youth climate action plan um which i was uh, project lead and you guys you know worked on that um and we presented that to um government and stakeholders mm. um ahead of the un um cop 26 mm. yeah and i mean i could i could go on and on and on about all of these opportunities um but all of these opportunities that I got from the youth at SIA offices, they, they cleared up a picture for me, you know, um, of how in my career I want to engage with people and make policies that are for them in a language that they will understand um, so that they're empowered to hold the leaders sure. accountable. Sure. Um, and yo, man, like I'm still to this day navigating adv my advocacy mm -hmm. journey um, and using resources at my disposal to orientate myself to be the best um, possible leader. And that is, you know, to strive towards transformative policy making and implementation. And my work and determination to this day are guided by the principles of inclusivity, mm -hmm. reform, and as well as the empowerment of women and children. Um, and I took these principles to the, you know, to the Johannesburg Youth Climate Action Plan, to the YCAP as well, and still embodying them in the work that I do currently. Um, and in my leadership story, I think I have led from the heart. Um, sure, I've never good. done anything that my heart wasn't in it. Mm. Sure. Um, I have empowered and I have inspired uh, and and that's because really many people saw potential in me and invested in me, um, which is why you know I take on the responsibility to ensure that whoever follows, um, they're even more better prepared. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I today continue trusting that process, and and I take on the baits and to uplift the generations that come after me. As I mentioned, I'm first generation, and I know there's so many other generations that are going to come out from sure. me, 
um, around me and I want to leave them empowered. Mm. Um, and if there was anything, if I'm 85 years old and my grandchildren are listening to this podcast, <laughs> I would say trust the process because I'm still trusting the process. Sure. I have no idea where it's leading me. But I'm trusting that once I've found where I belong, um, the process will smooth easily sure, with your people, sure. with your community. Ah, fantastic. I was literally like teary throughout yeah. the podcast. <laughs> I had to like literally fan my eyes like, Bonolo, you're not going to cry. You're not going to cry. Pull yourself together. Um, I think it's such an inspiring story. I think in the very beginning, you mentioned just the power of your name. Mm. And in Setswana, there's a saying called Lina Lebaseromo, which basically means our names prophesy who and what we'll become. Mm. And I think it was so powerful that when you started your story, you started with your name, right? That at the center of everything, it kind of revolves around your name. And that's fundamentally who you were birthed to become or what's been prophesied about, you know, the life that you live. And I think it's true testament. Like your story is such testament to exactly that, trusting the process, right? Yeah. Ah, incredible. Yeah, and I think just to speak more to your story personally, like for those of us that, that are religious, we always believe God gives the toughest challenges to the strongest fighters. And when you spoke about how you grew up and, and you didn't sure. give up, Sure. You just went through it. You trusted the process, like you said. Yeah. And look at where you are now. We see you. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm living in Joburg to see to see that Joburg action plan. To know that you were part of it. To to also know that we were part of it through in 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 some process as young people that you were leading that process. That's that's been great. And like wow. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Please tell God I'm, I want to retire. So <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll send him a message. Hey, I'll send strong. him a message. Hey, I'm not that strong. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Nelly, I think we, we have a couple of questions for you. And I think one thing that I, I want to mention is, or one thing I want to ask is, in your story, you talk about trusting the process. But, you know, as we all know, it's not that easy. It's it's very difficult to be able to say there are things coming for me, especially when there's so many things that aren't happening the way we want to and aren't going according to our plan. So what do you suggest to young people to be able to trust the process and be able to just know that better things are coming? Mm. And how did how did you do that? And how do you think you can you can share that mindset with other people? Yo, um, Bit I'm of not, a deep question. Yeah. <laughs> and, and man, I'm unlearning a lot of things, right? Um, for one, Coming from my situation and my environment and my background, um, <laughs> poverty drove me. I never wanted to go to bed hungry. I never wanted to not have. So I think throughout, I've just been pushing myself to get out of poverty. Mm. And poverty has been mm. the greatest push. But I think now I'm coming to the realization that I'm in a better space place I'm working and I need to find new things that are going to push me mm, um, sure. and not my trauma and not my past. I need sure. to find clear skies and rainbows that are going to push me to want to get up in the morning. Mm. And I think that has been um, God. Um, I constantly pray every day because um, I'm trusting that God's grace is sufficient mm. um, and it will be, it will continue to be sufficient. So I think any advice that I'll give to young people is to find something that's going to get you up in the morning. And it really doesn't have to be deep. You could just wake up if you want to get a Ferrari and you take a picture <laughs> of that, put it on your wall, and if that gets you up, go for it. Wow. 
Sure, sure. I love it. I think in your story, right, I was I was listening to you mention various mentors and just people who've been a part of your journey. So this community that's really lined around you to get you where you are today, right? What would you say to young people who are like first year gully, right? Not knowing where to start and like big vids or just in a new space or just even if it's not a new environment or just trying out maybe an active, getting into activism, for instance, like how would you encourage them to find community? Where do I start in finding this community? Um, one, attend orientation week. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sign up for as many clubs and societies as possible. Mm-hmm. Sure. Whether it is, you know, church or there's all these Zulu societies, Tana societies, netball, sports, anything. Sign up for a club, sign up for a society. And that's how you make friends. Because I promise you, at Viz, everyone is just going through it. Nobody has time to make friends. So one, attend orientation week, but get into societies, <laughs> get into clubs. I think that's the best way to, sure. to find yourself. There's so many clubs. You can literally find whatever interests you. And just go for it Mm. and participate. I think all the time is showing up, you know. Mm. We always take granted showing up. Just show up, you know. Mm. Show up, participate. I think it should be good. Sure. Ellie, as a closing question, I think I want to ask, because this is also something that's very personal for me, is you spoke a lot about reading and books. And, you know, just how, like being a reader, like how much it's done for us to be able to be able to keep up with the world to be able to know different things and learn new words and I think I want to ask then how do you think we can get young people into reading and, and if that's something that we should be doing how do you feel like reading and books and libraries and sort of those places that act as comfort zones how can we get that to more young people across and be able to say you can use these avenues to to learn so much more about the world sure yeah I mean, that's true. I mean, books have always been such an escape to another reality Mm. for me other than the one I was living in. And I think access is important. And for my 22nd birthday last year, I did a book drive um, to donate 22 books for the 22 years. And and I took them to a friend of mine who has a foundation and they were starting up a a library in Tebisong. And just with that, sometimes it's just buying a book and donating books to someone in need. And I asked Bunola a question because I interviewed you on the Instagram Live. What book would you like to buy someone? Mm -hmm. And I think if you can start that initiative where if you can buy someone a book, a book you wish you would have read sooner, if you can buy it for someone else or buy it for a child in need, I think... I think that will do a lot more difference because I could speak about how we need infrastructure. Government must do this. Government must buy book libraries. But I'm speaking in the now. What you can do today is to go to your closest bookshop and buy a book and donate it to someone. And just keep books. I think books shouldn't be kept in one shelf. I think they should Mm. move around. They should be you should have dirty pages and different highlighters and sure. <laughs> send it around, mm. share it amongst friends, share it amongst family. If it touched you, send it to someone else. Because one thing about me, every book I've ever read in my life, it's a book I needed at that exact mm. time. Sure. I've, it, it saved me. Mm. And there are so many books I wish I would have read earlier. And I think if there's a book that you wish you would have read earlier, buy it for someone your age and mm. give it to them. That's, that's Last question, what's that book for you? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I'm currently reading Bamboozled by Jesus. Sure. And um, it speaks to, you know, God bamboozling you to the life that you're supposed to live. 
And I've been crying all the time I'm reading this book because it is healing me so much because there's so many things I felt like, mm, if I knew this, I could have done it differently. And sometimes I wish I should have been told this earlier. And mm. books have taught me that because there's so many things I wish I knew. Mm. And I think to answer the first question you guys asked me when you asked about my father, I think that book has been answering some of those questions. That's, um, that's fantastic. Sure. Just, yeah. I think you've, you've left us speechless. Uh, you, you've healed us all. Your story <laughs> sure. has healed us all. That's all the time that we have for today, friends. Thank you so much, Dilly, for being here. Thank you for sharing your story with us. Thank you so much for having me. That guys. is the end of this chapter, but hopefully two more. Hopefully we'll be seeing you. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening and join us next time to hear more stories like Dilly of young people that are making change for an inclusive, equitable and sustainable future for all. We're your hosts, Zahir Suleiman, and I'm joined with my co-host with the most, Bunalo Mwikanyani. And we'll see you next time. The Youth Tell All podcast is a production from Youth at Zaya, the youth programs at the South African Institute for International Affairs. Youth at Zaya is focused on giving a voice to young Africans to tackle the major issues that confront them, while building capacity to engage with policymakers at national, regional, and international levels. Youth at Zaya empowers youth with the skills to become continental leaders with a commitment to co-creation, collaboration, inclusivity, decolonization, social justice, and intersectionality. Our broader thematic areas cover climate change, gender, education, employment, and sustainable and regenerative futures. This series has been made possible with the financial support of the Embassy of Finland in Pretoria. This episode was produced by Kiara Worth and Desiree Kashulik in collaboration with Solid Gold Podcast Studios. The Youth at Saya leadership team includes Desiree Kashulik, Titebojo Lebia, Lucille Naidu, and Itumaleng Impure. Story development has been done by Kiara Worth. If you have a story to share or want to learn more about our podcast, our programs, or how to get involved in youth activism, head to our website at saya.org.za slash youth. That's S-A-I-I-A dot org dot Z-A forward slash youth. Youth at Sire is across social media sites too. So find us wherever you are. Thanks for listening. And until next time, remember, youth, youth are, are leading. leading.